We've had a great day. I'm mindful of the fact that uh, we've probably had, in some ways, mind overload from great teaching. Uh, we had great feedback from the seminars. I've heard brilliant things. I've heard brilliant feedback from people going out onto the streets, outreach, uh, talking to people about Jesus for the first time and being so encouraged by that. I've been hearing great things from the various seminars. Uh, we were so well served by Steph and by uh, Valter earlier on. I don't want to overload our minds too much, so I'm going to go for a shorter message. But I want to get us thinking about the future. I want to get us thinking about what's to come in our lives. And the Bible kind of cautions us a little bit from uh, you know, making really precise plans. You look in James chapter 4, he says, don't say, hey, this, you know, tomorrow I'm going to go to this city for a year and I'm going to do business there. It sort of cautions us against kind of making exact plans. But it also says in the Psalms, Lord, teach us uh, to number our days that we may live wisely, that we may actually build wisely. God wants us to build wisely in our lives. He wants, to, he wants us to uh, put some foundations down that we build a good, solid life for him. And uh, I want to um, just open up Philippians chapter 1 uh, just for a few minutes. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, you might like to turn there. But if you don't, the, the words will be on the screen. This is what we, uh, what we read of in Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to read verses... Uh, we're going to read verses... 19 through to 26. Here we go. Let me just give you a little bit of context for this before we read, actually. The Apostle Paul is in prison. We're used to hearing that in some ways. We know that this guy was in prison for his faith. But what we probably don't appreciate is that by this time, he's been in prison for three years. Uh, I struggled with three months of lockdown. Okay, and I had Netflix, and we had the ability to get takeaway. This guy's been in prison for three years. And he hasn't had much luxury at all. And what we'll see here is astonishing because he deeply cares for this church in Philippi. And it's not just the church in Philippi he deeply cares for. His heart is towards uh, many churches, many people uh, who are believers. And he's just so full of uh, compassion. He wants to encourage. He wants to see people built up despite the fact that he's in prison. Now, I would be feeling pretty sorry for myself if I was in Paul's situation he doesn't know what the, the future is going to hold. He has no idea if he is going to get out of prison or if he's going to be killed for his faith. He's got no idea about this. And yet we'll see, as we read these verses, that he's so uh, focused on others. Others are in his heart. He wants to see them encouraged and filled with joy. This is remarkable. And as we're going to see, uh, Paul may not have known the future, but he knew something of the direction of his life that brought him a lot of certainty. And we're going to unpack that uh, in the time that we have together. So here we go. Verse 19. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account." 
convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So we see here that Paul can't see clearly the future with his eyes, but he can see clearly something of the future with his heart. There's great uncertainty ahead of him, and yet he understands and he's resolved uh, what his life's direction will go in. Now, we, have, we are facing a lot of uncertainty. We had such a word right at the beginning. We're in a very changeable world right now. I don't think many people actually believe that like, Russia were going to go through on the threat that we've been hearing about for weeks now. I don't think any of us foresaw a pandemic that would mean that we would have to be in our homes for months on end without, being going, without going out. I don't think any of us foresaw that uh, the guy who uh, ran The Apprentice on American TV would become the most powerful man in the world. I don't think any of us saw these things happening. It's so uncertain. We, we have no idea what's, what's going to happen in the months to come, what might happen economically in this country. We don't know what the outcome of this war is going to lead to. We don't know what the climate of uh, feeling towards Christianity in this country is going to be like. We can kind of see the direction of travel. It feels like it's going to be more and more the case that Christians will be sidelined and maligned and uh, rejected on account of their faith. That, it seems to be that that's the way things are going. We don't know what life's going to hold, and yet we can be as certain in our hearts about what the direction of our lives are going to be if we resolve some things that Paul has also resolved. Now, you might think there's all kinds of variables that might happen in your life. I don't know if I'm going to marry or not. I don't know if I'm going to be going to get on the housing ladder or not. I don't know what's going to happen to the climate in this country. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, unwell parents or whatever. There might be all kinds of uncertainties. But listen, you can have a certainty if you resolve something that Paul had resolved. He resolved that for him, there was two glorious options ahead in his life. One was to die and know Jesus face to face and know glory with him. And one was to be really fruitful, to, to labor and, and be very fruitful for Jesus in this life. There was two very good options for him. He's hard pressed. Like, I don't know if someone offered you two options and one of them was to be to die, whether you would take the other option, whatever it might be. So you've got two options. You can either have this or you could die. What do you want? Well, Paul sees these two as very good options. To die and go and be with Jesus is a really good option for Paul. Or to know I'm going to labor for Jesus in my life and be fruitful for him. That is also a very good option. He had, he had resolved something because, friends, he had had an encounter with Jesus. And I, I know that some of you have encountered Jesus today. Some of you for the first time. Some of you have had a powerful encounter with Jesus. And it's kind of like displaced some things in your life. You just think, I'm sort of reeling a little bit like I'm looking at bits of broken piggy bank everywhere here. You're thinking, what's this going to look like now? Because I've met Jesus. And, and things have changed and things have been blown out of the way. And things are going to have to find their rightful place because Jesus is now my king. Paul had met Jesus, the man he once hated. He had met the risen Jesus. And he had, he had met the one for whom his soul was made for, for whom his soul was meant to worship and be satisfied in. He had met Jesus. He'd encountered Jesus. And so he can now say, for me, 
To live is Christ. I just, I just want to know him more. I just want to grow in my knowledge of him. I just want to get to know him and love him more and more and more. That's my life now. Before he met Jesus, he would have said, for me to live is having the respect of other people. You read about that in chapter 3. He talks about his life before he came to know Jesus. He says, I was from the right tribe. I had the right education. I had the respect of a lot of people. People looked at me in the street. Oh, his name was Saul before he came to know Jesus. Oh, look, there's Saul. He's a big deal. People would have tipped their hats at him. They would have respected him. To me, for me to live is to have the respect of others. For me to live is to have power. And to, when I say something, people do it. That's the, the kind of thing he would have said. For me to live is those things. And now he says, whatever I once counted as gain, I now count it as rubbish. In chapter 3, verse 8, I count it as rubbish compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Jesus, my Lord. There's something that far surpasses the things that he once lived for. He, he, he once thought that was what I've got to do with life. I've got to be known. I've got to be respected. People have got to like me. And now he's willing to even go to prison on account of this Jesus. And listen, you face uncertainty. I know you do individually. We all face uncertainty. And the thing that is most going to influence your future is what you put in the blank for me to live is. And I don't know what you would have said before today. It might have been, for me to live is, I want to milk this earth of all of the pleasure I can get. For me to live is, I just want to have someone on the end of the phone who makes me feel good. For me to live is to settle down. For me to live is to have enough money that I never have to worry about anything. For me to live is getting a well done for my parents. I don't know what you would have said before today. But when you encounter Jesus, when you see him for who he is, the natural response is, for me to live is Christ. I only want to know him more and more. I only want to serve him. I only want to worship him. This is what you were made for. This is what our soul was made to know and to enjoy. We read in the Bible, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Have you ever thought about that? God made those skies to point to him. When you see a beautiful winter sunset, we've seen quite a few of them recently. God's doing it to point to him. He's, he's, he's wanting you to see him and be satisfied in him and know him to be your all in all, to center your life on him, not because he is some egotistical maniac, but because he really loves you. He re you were not made to look in front of a mirror. You were made for him. And you were made to be astonished at him. You were made to be overwhelmed with him. You were made to be glued to him and see him to be your all in all. That's what you were made for. And so for Paul, he's, something, he's encountered this Jesus, this risen Jesus, whose eyes are like fire, blazing fire, whose voice is like the sound of rushing waters, whose feet are like bronze, who says, fear not, I I, I was dead, but now I'm alive. This is what he said to the Apostle John. 
I was dead, but now I'm alive and I live forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is the risen Jesus. This is who Paul encountered. And he's, a, he's captivated by him. And so he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. These are two things that are ahead of each one of us. To live is Christ and to die is gain. What does it look like to live and our lives being all about Christ? Well, we see it in, in verse 25 where Paul says that I am going to, if I stay in the flesh, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So living for Paul is living for the progress and joy of others in the faith. He is other-centered. This is what happens when we uh, mature in, in faith. It becomes less and less about me and more and more about others. I want to Yes, we want to see ourselves grow and mature and develop, but we have a hunger and a desire to see others growing and maturing and developing. We suddenly, we kind of get flipped inside out from looking at ourselves, which is a massive uh, deal for our generation, to look to see others progressing in the faith and for their joy. And so to, for Paul to live was to see others progressing. That was the thing that he lived for. I want to see others progressing in joy and in, in faith. And he says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 24, he says, we, we're, not, we're not about lording our faith over you. We want to work for your joy, he says to the Corinthians. We, our heart, our ministry is for your joy. We want others to enjoy God. And I want to just, I want to appeal to us about the potential that is in this room. Steph used these verses early, didn't he, about don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But it's this from 1 Timothy. But instead, set an example to the believers in your faith, in your speech, in your conduct, in your purity. He says that there's something for you, even in your young age, where you can actually be a leader, where you can actually influence, and you can actually work to bring others through into maturity in the faith. And I wonder if you see yourself like that. You might have just rocked up today and someone sort of nagged you to come along. I know that there was some good nagging going on by various leaders in churches. Hey, you must be there. But you can be a leader. What is a leader? A leader is someone who follows after Jesus and goes after him with their whole heart and hangs out with other people. <laughs> That's like leadership, guys. It's not really a very complex kind of equation. You follow after Jesus, pursue him, come to see him to be your all in all. Spend time with him, enjoy him in prayer, in the secret place, as we heard from Steph. Say, I'm all in. As we heard from Val to say, I'm all in. I'm after you, I'm after your heart, Lord Jesus. I want to go where you tell me to go. That's what a leader is, who just goes after Jesus and then hangs out with other people. And you start to lead and you start to influence. And I, I want to, I want to kind of say, come on, wake up, you have leadership on you. You can bring about change in your context as you go after Jesus from this day onwards. As you say, no, actually, for me to live is not the things that I once ran after that are rubbish. I now live to know Jesus. I now live to grow to know him more. 
And you might think, I think I know all there is to know. I can quote a few Bible verses. I can sing the songs without even needing the words on the screens. You might think, I, I've been around in church. Some of you have been around in church since your childhood. And you think, I've done, I've known, I know all there is to know. Listen, the Bible talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. That means you find a treasure chest and you want to get to grips with how much treasure there is in there and you start clawing away at the coins and you realize, I can't find the bottom of this. And I dive in and I think I can go a bit deeper and say, I must be able to find the bottom soon. His riches are unsearchable. That means there's always more for you to know. And the older you get, the, the more you realize, the less I know. And, and the more you go after him, you think, there's, there's so much of him that I can enjoy. Listen, Jesus has satisfied the mind and the heart of the Father for all eternity. It's more of, and you think we're going to get bored in heaven? You think we're going to think, oh, I've, I've done it now, about 10,000 years, I'm quite done now, thank you. No, we've got so much more to know. Pursue him. Pursue him, friends, with all your heart, love him with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and be leaders. Let me encourage you in this. Let me encourage you to get involved with, with people who are younger than yourself as well. I want to know, you, you can lead amongst people who are 70, 80, 90, you really can. But there's such a, there's such a need for young adults who are going after Jesus to impact the lives of students, of young people in our churches, of youth in our churches, of children in our churches, to come alongside and just be a godly influence and be a godly friend. You really, this is for you. This is for you. To, to, to labor for the joy and the progress of others. And I want to pray for us that, that this will be our story from today, that we'll say, no, I, I really can come alongside others. I really can encourage them. I really can pray for them, and I really can see their progress and joy in the faith. I can see it. But listen, what we, what we really need to have is a perspective that, that Paul had when it comes to eternity. You, you might think that sounds really illogical. You know, we shouldn't be focusing on eternity. We need to focus on the here and now. It's... It's, there's a reason why God has given us a very clear picture of what eternity looks like. He wants that to excite us. He wants it to be something that takes our eyes off of the, the, the earthly trinkets that we kind of strive after, to have an eternal perspective. The great writer and historian C.S. Lewis said, if you study history, it's precisely those that thought most about the next life that were most effective in the present. Let us be those that hunger for eternity. Let us be those that hunger for, I'm going to be with Jesus. He's going to be the very best thing about eternity. It's not going to be the absence of sin and suffering and sickness, although that will be great. The very best thing about eternity is the presence of Jesus. And we're going to see him face to face. We're going to be, we're going to be captivated by him. Let us be leaning on our tiptoes, eager. I want to be with him. I think sometimes we think, I might miss out on some stuff if I go and be with him. <laughs> I might miss out on England finally winning a major trophy in football. It's not going to happen, guys. All right. <laughs> we might miss out on, I might miss out on some amazing experiences in this life. We've, 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 we've lost something if, if, we, if we think, I'm going to miss out by going and being with Jesus. 
But it's precisely those who dream about heaven, who meditate on how wonderful and glorious it's going to be with Jesus at the center, that are most effective in this life. As we see, I'm living for something that is... I'm, I'm, Paul, Paul uses this word, it's better for me, I go and depart. He uses a word here, which is in the Greek, it's analusis. And it, he's a tent maker, that's what he did for a job. And analusis literally means to take down your tent, to, to set up your camp. Paul understood that this life is just a campsite. We're traveling around, it's temporary, it's transitory. And we're going to something that will never, ever be destroyed. We're going to something that's far more permanent. And so I'm, I'm happy to, he says, I'm happy to take down my camp here, in this tent in which I live. I set sail for a, a, a destiny that is sure and certain. Friends, let's be heavenly-minded people who really could say to live is Christ, to, to pour my life out for the good of others, to encourage others, but to die, it's even better. <laughs> Let us be those that are like, I'm hard-pressed, rather than I, I really don't want to, to die would be a disaster because I missed out on some stuff. No, no. Let's be those that say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And my life, however uncertain it may be, whatever may come from this time, I know living in this flesh, I'm going to be fruitful for Jesus. I'm going to abide in him. I'm going to stay close to him. I'm going to bear fruit. So listen, this was what I felt God laid on my heart for us. To be those people who say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I want us to pray. We've got a little while in which we're going to pray. We're going to finish at the very latest at 8.15. And we'll make sure you get home to your, where you need to go. But I want to, do, I want to pray for us right now. The band are going to come up. We're going to, can we sing that song, You Are Worthy of It All? Can we sing that? You may have just planned another song. Just drop that one on you. We're going to sing to Jesus. We're going to declare that he really is our all in all. That to live is here. To, to life is knowing him. And then we're going to pray. We're going to call upon him. Just as we've been stirred by Steph earlier to pray, we've got some praying to do. But well, let's stand together, shall we? Let's stand. I want to pray for us. These words, these words of Paul's, I want to just read these and pray these over us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we look to you right now. And in this uncertain world where we do not know what will happen tomorrow, like Paul staring at a prison cell wall, not knowing when he would be released or if he would be, we have no idea. The, the, the future is, is murky, Lord. We don't know what will happen tomorrow, let alone in 10 years' time. But we do right now want to resolve something in our hearts that you, that you are better than anything else that this world has to offer. That you are better than anything else that this world has to offer. That all that we once thought was gain, we count it as loss. And maybe, friends, you just want to put your own words to that right now. Maybe you know, I, I once thought life was, I needed, to, I needed this. I needed money, I needed a relationship, I needed respect of my parents, I needed people to like me. Why don't you just say, Lord, I now, in, in view of who you are, I count that all as lost. Just say it to him. Lord, whatever it might be. Lord, we just say, to live is knowing you. 
Knowing you is true life in all of, in, in all of its fullness. And to die will be genuinely would be gain. Because we'd have face-to-face glory. We'd know you. We'd see you in not no longer as if dimly through a mirror. No, we see you in all your fullness. Thank you, Lord. Some people just need to just resolve in your hearts. I'm not I'm not gonna daydream about the things that I once gave myself to. The word that Paul uses for rubbish is much stronger than the word rubbish. It's, it's poo. It's manure. It's dung. No, no one spends their time daydreaming about manure. Have you, have you resolved? I'm not going to go back there. There's some people who just, just need to resolve. I'm not going back to those things. I've left it behind because I've encountered Jesus and he's far better. to spend my time daydreaming about that anymore. Just resolve it now. I'm not even going to go there. No longer thinking, oh, I wish I could do that again. Because it's rubbish. I count it all as loss. I found something much better. I found one who is life. I found one who my soul was made to know. Lord Jesus, we love you. We want to be those that walk in your ways. We want to be those that live to make others glad in God. We want to be those who gladly have our lives poured out for you and for others, Lord. I want to be poured out for the good of others, Lord. I want my longing to be that others would progress in the faith and know joy in you. Say it to him. Put it in your own words. Let's just have a hubbub of prayer around the room now. I want to honor you, Lord, with our lives. To live is Christ. To die is gain. So much better knowing you, Lord. have been listening to a recording from Sense 2022, a gathering of students and 20s pursuing the radical call of Jesus to see our lives, our neighbourhoods and our nations transformed. If you want to find out more about what we do and how you can be involved, go to sensegeneration.com. Thank you for listening.